Hey everyone, Siler here. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Switch the Flip. We've grown a lot through this first season, and we're excited to announce that our upgraded website can be found at switchtheflip.com. There you can listen to the podcast, read the blog, and even apply to share your story live on the show. Keep up with us on Instagram at switchtheflip with two Ps, and don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for being part of the journey. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Switch the Flip. I'm Siler. And I'm Randall. We're two cousins traveling the world to share the stories of people who switched the flip on their country's social expectations to create a life that aligns with their passion and their purpose. On the first episode, we had a pre-trip briefing and sat down to discuss our expectations for the trip, travel philosophies, and one thing we kept bringing up was the Shine Tribe. And, you know, that was the initial vision for this whole project and this whole trip was to build community around the world based on the things we love the most, yoga, music, and travel. And that vision hasn't changed Per se, but we thought a lot more about what exactly we wanted to present in this podcast, and the name Switch the Flip really resonated with us. We really personally feel that going against the grain is important to stay true to yourself and be happy in this life, in this world, and I think that really resonates universally as well. So, from here on out, we're switching the flip. One thing I hope you cannot resonate with is the stress and the drama that I experienced at the beginning of last episode with the missing airline ticket fiasco. Turns out I did have a ticket and everything got sorted after a few days of calling around different travel agencies and, and airlines, but uh, we made it to Bangkok and right now we're recording live in Sri Lanka. But where where did we end up in Bangkok? What was the hostel we were at? Upside, which was in the Saturn district of Bangkok. Uh, and the hostel was kind of a steal. It was about 20 bucks a night. But the place was, oddly enough, an absolute ghost town. Uh, not only in regards to other visitors staying there, but it seemed like there were no employees there either. Yeah, it was really strange. They had kind of advertised uh, vegan or vegetarian food and a bar upstairs and a lounge. And there was definitely a bar on the roof. Uh, it was fully stocked, but there was never anyone working. So, um, yeah, it was, it was super strange. But the roof was nice. Um, one day we had invited one of my friends I met last year in Bangkok, Sandy, over to uh, to chill for a bit, and she ended up bringing some Thai weed over, which I actually really enjoyed. Yeah, it was it was really mellow. We just had a nice rooftop chill after walking around a little bit, having a coffee with Sandy, who is uh, a beautiful and very tall Thai lady. She was super cool, and we, we had some pretty interesting discussions on the roof, and... <laughs> yeah, it was a cool time. It just... I, I liked... I enjoyed Bangkok a lot more this time than, than I did my first trip. Um, I'm not really a huge city guy when it comes down to it, but there is, I think everybody should 
definitely go spend a little time in Bangkok. It's it's wild. There's a lot going on, constant motion, constant noise around you everywhere, but there's a lot of good stuff going on too. Yeah, a lot of great stuff, I would say. Uh, I just, one of my favorite things is jumping on the back of a, a scooter or a motorcycle taxi and just zipping through all the traffic to get wherever you want to go. Um, and then who could, who could forget to mention the street food, you know, and actually after that, that uh, nice smoke session we had on the roof. Siler and I headed off to Chinatown on a mission. Uh, we wanted to see how much we could eat on, you know, about five U.S. dollars, which is what, like 150 baht, 150 roughly. Baht. So um, we had a lot actually. And uh, if you check out our blog, switch the flip dot today slash blog. There's a really nice photo gallery of everything we ate. I mean, fried insects, pad thai, what else? Uh, yeah, we started with the fried insects. Uh, your your debut into the insect-eating culture, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not my forte. Mm, I had had insects last year uh, in North Thailand in Chiang Mai, and I, I dug them. Um, especially then, they were really crunchy, almost like a nice potato chip uh, texture in the mouth. This time, you know, the silkworms were a little soggy. If I had to critique the bamboo worms, you know, they could have been a little crispier as well. <laughs> but, you know, you're not going to get perfection every time, I guess. And maybe I'm romanticizing that first and such experience. Who knows? I don't think I am, though. That was really good. But yeah, I mean, I let's see. We had, I found a mixed veggie stir fry thing at one of the stalls. We had some grilled mushrooms. You had some awesome uh, steamed barbecue pork buns. Yeah, I'm a I'm a sucker for some some nice steamy buns myself, and the they were sweet, they were soft, and they were filled with some delicious barbecue pork. We also had those um, what traditional Chinese pancakes. I had a, a sweet potato or a taro, and you had the mung bean. Yeah, the mung bean, which is the classic. Yeah, and then uh, shout out again to Brad and Lisa, these two fellow American. Oh, I'm sorry, Brian and Lisa, um, are two fellow Americans we met at the uh, at the street food market. They invited us to share a meal and conversation with them, and they ended up paying for Siler's veggie plate. So um, yeah, just a lot of love to y'all. And you know, when you're out traveling, don't don't make it a an isolated experience even if you're on your own you know reach out uh you can always make a friend and share a meal and a good time with with your fellow travelers yeah most definitely most definitely and um yeah like like you mentioned we did have that 150 baht budget going into the chinatown experience but uh we took that bit of goodwill and and put those veggies on Brian Lisa's contribution to our experience. So that gave us 50 more bot to work with. I was stuffed after the veggies, honestly, but you know, I had that extra 50 burning a hole in my pocket. So I had to squeeze in uh, one last pad tie uh, for what came to about a dollar 20. I mean, how, how, how could I pass that up? You know? Yeah, man. Chinatown was great. Chinatown was great. And you know, both of us are navigating Asia with food allergies very serious food allergies. Um, I myself have a deathly allergy to peanuts. You are on another spectrum, my friend. Bro, yeah, I mean, you know this, and um, a lot of my friends do know this, but I have a book of allergies from fish and shellfish to tree nuts, not peanuts, but, uh, you know, sesame and soy. I actually had a 
egg allergy that that popped up after my last knee surgery a few years back but uh had some eggs recently and i think it's it's no more but anyway um yeah it's it's a scary thing uh and especially when you're dealing with street food there's a lot of you know a lot of question marks but i'm actually i've actually written a blog post about this i have some tips for uh my fellow allergy uh inflicted travelers you know don't limit yourself too much you you can still enjoy street food you can still enjoy asian cuisine but uh i've definitely got some tips that i've learned throughout my my travels but uh, i mean what else did we do in in bangkok we had a few other nights um oh the pat pong night market there's a ton of night markets in bangkok i've been to uh, a few and pat pong wasn't my favorite but it was the closest to our hostel uh, and as you may or may not know, Pat Pong is also kind of uh, well, the, like the original red light district, I believe, of Bangkok. So it's a lot of shady stuff going on in addition to the street food and the, the vendors. I think what like every two seconds, it seems like some guy was coming up and like trying to get us to go to a, a ping pong show. Yeah, guy or or girl. There was one very persistent, very <laughs> short lady that was following us down the entire market trying to get us to uh, one of her shows it was it, you know it was it was a trip coming in on the back of the bikes the guys the the guys took us through the entire little uh the soy that that makes up the pat pong market um and it was funny coming in and just passing all these bars all these girls outside uh some some guy bars as well uh well, i'm getting to the slave guy for sure man um yeah, well, let's just get right to it. So we get dropped off at this bar at the end of the street. And we walk in. This guy is motioning us to come inside. And there's a menu on the wall. And it says you can buy a slave drink, a mistress drink, a... And there were two more options. I can't I can't recall. And I had to ask, what is, what is the slave drink? And this, this creepy dude is like, oh, you come in, buy a drink for my slave. You you like my slave. You buy her another drink. And it, was, it, it made me, it was weird, man. It made me very uncomfortable, um, <laughs> to say the least. And it was, and the atmosphere, you know, the other places were very much like um, kind of your typical bar neon lights go-go bar yeah this was much more dungeony yeah. much more slavey i would <laughs> there was it was very questionable yeah. yeah so we we opted to to not enter the 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 slave dungeon but you know who knows maybe we would have a way more interesting podcast if we hadn't been inside um last you know last event uh that we had uh in in bangkok was this drink buffet at a place called Shakariki, and you know we we are two young single male travelers. We had uh, downloaded a dating apps just to you know honestly it's a great way to meet up with people when you're when you're traveling. And if you meet up with some locals, they can show you around. Um, I've had some good experiences that way. Um, and we met up with this one girl, and she invited us out to Shakariki with her friends. It was what six hundred baht, which is 20 bucks 15 15 us all you can drink for 90 minutes and you know i'm a a little foolish i'm I'm a little past that kind of zeal zest for drinking but we got drunk we got 
quite drunk and it was quite efficient. We had a good time. Uh, we went out to some club after that. Yeah, it was a really good time, man. Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a sucker for sake. Like that's probably that's that's the thing I'll go in on if it's if it's available. Um, yeah, like I'm I'm not I've lost kind of the zest for drinking as well, but I'll go in on some sake. And it was really cool talking to these to these people. Uh, they were all from an international school in Bangkok, and after they graduated high school, they had been just kind of like sent out all over the country, and it was cool just, and they all spoke fluent English, so it was really cool just to hear about their travel stories growing up in Bangkok, and then going to live in Australia, Vienna, all these places around Europe and, and Asia. It was it was neat, and then we went out to this really sick club, actually, and I fell in love with this Thai DJ, and... You know, I wish, I, I don't know what I wish for, but I lost her. May never get her back. Well, that's all, you know, that's all, that's all we'll say about that night. Uh, other hearts were broken, but that's a story for another day. Uh, I don't know if it was the next day or the day after, but we had an early flight to Sri Lanka out of Bangkok at like 6, 6.30 in the morning. So, you know, we were up at 4 um yeah siler had gone to go watch the liverpool uh match yeah so um he didn't i don't even know if he slept but i got about three four hours um then we took the plane got into colombo airport at about 9 45 in the morning and one of my um one of my uh, travel tips, I guess, for catching a bus specifically, if you're in a foreign country that's, you know, backpackers do frequent it, um, look for someone that looks like you or that does, doesn't look like they're from the place who's wearing a backpack and go ask them. Because chances are they might have been here before. They might know what they're doing. So that was us. You know, I've taken a car from Colombo to Gaul. But uh, never had taken the bus, so we found this this one guy and uh, asked him, "Hey, is this where the bus picks up?" He said, "Yes." He was going the same direction. His name was Lucas, and a uh, super sweet guy. But within a few minutes of of talking to this guy, we just I, I feel like it was it was this most serendipitous, most affirming interaction because you know this guy had just done a twelve hundred hour five month yoga teacher training in india he'd been to sri lanka before we told him that we were pranayama facilitators and he lit up he's like really interested in deepening his practice there so it was kind of the perfect person we could have met and and what we traveled how many hours like we traveled for hours you know took buses trains we got tea we got lunch with this guy um and we've been in contact with him via email because he's not traveling with a phone like a legend Mm -hmm. but um yeah we, we we um really want to bring Lucas on to the podcast because he's just, he's such a, he's such a, an inspiring, uh, sorry, it's an inspiring guy. Yeah, he really is. And I can't wait to pick his brain a little more about his yogic insights, about his views on, uh, his, his yoga training was mostly informed by Buddhist spiritual practices, which is interesting. I know he spent the last two months of his training in Tibet, um, taking yoga into, the monasteries because these monks once they around 60 they start capping out physically they can't physically meditate anymore because they haven't built up that strength in their backs and so lucas and his uh and this program he was in were going and and taking yoga to those monks and trying to extend their meditation careers which is 
pretty amazing. Um, but he's a, he's a super cool dude, super sweet guy from from uh, from Brighton originally. Lived in London for the past few years, and yeah, I can't wait to to jump in and have a deeper conversation with him. But we, once we got off that bus, we took a train ride from from Colombo to Gaul. Right, the most beautiful train ride I've ever been on. Just skirting the coast, the south coast of Sri Lanka, the entire way down. You're just looking <laughs> out to your right, and nothing but beautiful ocean waves, the horizon, and just, you know, sitting there in the open door, letting your legs swing off the, off the car. It's, it was a really cool feeling and a really, really beautiful welcome to this amazing country we're in. Yeah, man. I love the trains here. They're so picturesque and you can take a train into the mountains toward Candy and Ella and instead of the coast, you're just going through these national forests, and and um, it's it's beautiful. It's one of my favorite ways to travel in Sri Lanka, if not my favorite. Um, but I think my for me, my real welcome, my real you know initiation back into Sri Lanka was the rainforest. Mm. We went up to Sinharaja, which was about a two and a half hour drive from the south where we were near Gaul and Unawatana. And um, six of us went up. We went up with uh, Shafni, when Sanduni, uh, Holly, and Aslam. And uh, Aslam's a, a dear friend of mine. I lived with him last year, and we're hoping to have him on the, our next episode of the podcast, actually. But, um, you know, our crew, we went up to Sinharaja. We stayed at this place called Forest Gate. And it's right on the edge of the rainforest. There's an infinity pool. Yeah, you're, all sides, you're surrounded by mountains and, and rainforest. And uh, you're just kind of in this village. It's just so beautiful there. It was amazing, dude. Um, we woke up at, well, we had just like a really nice, nice first evening there, swimming, eating amazing Sri Lankan food. And we woke up quite early the next morning, about 6.30, and... Uh, we were waiting on our guide to come and meet us, and while we were waiting, there was kingfishers coming up and skirting along the pool, and a huge hawk that we actually had a pretty cool planet Earth moment watching these kingfishers just dive bomb this hawk and chase it away. It was it was really cool to watch, and eventually our guide came and got there around seven o'clock, and we uh, followed him about a maybe a kilometer's walk to the to the entrance to the forest. And, you know, before we even got there, there's there's peacocks just strutting around. There's beautiful rice paddies just before we even got to the forest. It was it was amazing. And, you know, it was Sanduni's birthday. That was the impetus for the trip. And we wanted to uh, elevate and uh, augment our rainforest journey with, with just a, a touch of psychedelia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we... Funny enough, I think it was kind of our breakfast there at sunrise. Um, with some papaya. Yeah, with some papaya with lime juice sprinkled on top. Yeah, the two of us, we did um, maybe about a gram of psilocybin mushrooms. And, you know, I'm maybe it's because I'm older, 
Um, maybe it's because I'm wiser. I just, I, I'm not really much of a tripper these days, but I do really appreciate the effects of a, uh, of a smaller dose of psilocybin, particularly, um, non-hallucinogenic, but very, um, I just felt at one with the forest. I felt on the way we were kind of coming up, our guide was pointing out all of these small creatures we would have all walked past, you know, tiny green vipers hanging off green vines scorpions in these little holes he was teasing out with sticks um what else snails and cricket lizards kangaroo lizards um i mean our guide i think it was said he really was the sri lankan steve Irwin. he was incredible and it was it, it was a great sort of metaphor for life we were all in the single file line walking down this path uh ultimately heading to a waterfall uh, there's there were nine waterfalls to choose from we chose to hike to one that was about two and a half kilometers into the forest but we're all you know in the slang going to the forest and all of this nature all these this wildlife was right there beside us and without that guide we would have just walked right past it no question we would have missed i think we would have missed pretty much everything he pointed he pointed it all out to us it was beautiful man uh, and like you said the the psilocybin it, it wasn't to go and trip out and lose our minds in the rainforest. I had this, it was a pretty mellow experience for me the entire time. Um, but man, I had this moment, I was staring at this spider web and I've just never seen, a, I think it was called a gooty spider, very large, huge web. I've just never really noticed a spider pulling its way across a web, almost like it's, like it's playing a violin or something, man, just like, or a harp, I guess a harp would be a better analogy. Just one string at a time, one thread at a time, just pulling its way across. And the light was reflecting off this, off the dew on the web. And it was just very beautiful. But yeah, we ended up at that, at this waterfall with this incredible swimming pool, took the initial dip in. And then Aslam, who had been there before, uh, pretty quickly was making his way to the top of the waterfall man Aslam, he just turned to me and he's like all right let's jump and i was like, okay sure yeah. so uh i'm kind of following Aslam, and at this point i'm a i'm the high for me is peaking i'm hearing this really intense music in my head like tablas drumming and i don't know what the language but it was maybe sinhalese or tamil just chanting and i feel like i'm on this rite of passage i started like leaping from boulder to boulder and like following him was scrambling up this like really steep uh path and we get to the top and you know make our way onto the rocks where the fall is and awesome's just immediately he just dives off the cliff leaving me up here uh, <laughs> alone uh as you know Okay, Sally was on his way up too, but I felt very alone in that moment. I stepped down onto the ledge where the water was just rushing past my feet, and I'm I'm looking down, and and the the people below are like, "Hey, make sure you clear the bottom because the rock juts out a few feet." And I was looking down there like, "Oh, sh <laughs> like." It's probably 25 feet, you'd say, right? The the jump? Yeah, the, yeah, the, the vertical is about 25 feet, and you should probably aim for a good like five six feet horizontal to clear the rocks. So, you know, I'm just having this moment of hesitation up there. It's like, oh, like, am I, am I going to do this? Like, obviously I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Hell yeah. So, so I, I just sucked it up and just went for it. I had this knot in my stomach. I think, uh, this anxiety was building up, but as soon as I hit the water, just 
plunged into the these like murky cerulean depths and you know you jump from that high you you go down a few meters and you're just kind of lost down there for a second and you come to i came to the surface just like screamed and and that was it after that you know i was so relaxed and and we chilled at that waterfall for a few hours i think yeah it was yeah definitely for a few hours and the jump itself was a very cleansing experience i would say it was kind of like this this we made it kind of kind of feeling afterwards where you just screamed into the plunge and you came out of this water and looked around and you're just somewhere else you're in the rainforest and this awesome crew who like shout out to the crew dude they're such welcoming people and just just homies like one of my favorite parts about sri lanka honestly is just the people here like the sri lankan people are so kind and and genuine and and warm and amazing and then there's this other layer on top of all of these people that keep coming back here so many people i've met that either moved here or come back every season from all over the world. They're just like the sweetest people. And they're, it's so easy to find like-minded and welcoming uh, people out here. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Everybody that I've encountered so far seems very like-minded. Everybody, <laughs> it feels like everybody has been gearing up for 2020. Everybody feels like their, their next step is about to happen. It, it, it's, it feels like we're caught in a really cool, kind of wave of momentum here like gathering through all these different pockets of people that are coming uh so that's you know i'm those are the people that we want to have on this podcast those are the people we're trying to meet and i feel like we have a real plethora of of options and of potential uh guests to come on to switch to flip so that is definitely one of my favorite parts of sri lanka so far but i've got to say the food is hard to top man the food is just wow i mean you had told me before that it's possibly your favorite food in the world and coming from thailand that's saying a lot because thai food is it's up there but man the sri lankan rice and curry buffet i mean i thought indian food was my favorite in the world and the sri lankans are taking it to the next level man it's like you can like not only taste wise but health wise too the food is much healthier uh, much cleaner less fatty um less less dairy based uh just and you know hella cheap as well yeah it's super affordable i mean that's an understatement i think if you're if you're hanging around the hostel and tourist areas you can expect to pay more uh western prices i mean you can get away like somewhere between seven to 10 us for a meal like a fat meal and coming from somewhere like cali or new york that's that's a good price relative but i'm telling you just get outside of those areas go into the local towns like ahangama town for example and just walk into a place that has rice and curry on the sign and i mean we were we were paying 200 rupees for for meals uh, which is a dollar ten us uh we did also find this place uh, by recommendation called mama's it's a little past um if you're going east from ahangama town it's a little past the surfing wombats hostel 
but uh, they have a 400 rupee all you can eat buffet, three story seating right at the coast, and that's like two dollars twenty cents all you can eat. It's amazing. It's incredible. Um, oh, well, you know what? I actually um, I did want to I did want to have a little plug here for the Instagram. We were talking a lot about these creatures in the rainforest that w- that we saw. Many photos were shared on IG, and many more will be. So, you know, don't miss out on any critters, creepy crawlers, waterfall jumps. Who knows? Give us a follow at Switch the Flip with two Ps. I I also mentioned Surfing Wombats just now. Super, super cool hostel. One of the coolest hostels I've ever been to. It's always booked. It's packed. They have, I think, really good pizza, honestly. Yeah, the pizza, I mean coming from somebody who i don't even eat pizza anymore man i'm not even really that into it anymore and it was it was awesome it was really good um yeah you had been to surfing wombats last time you were here right um so randall had mentioned it and then our friend lucas uh that we mentioned earlier was staying there as well and yeah super cool place very very nice vibe and they were having an open mic this past friday night that was really cool um there was it was packed out the entire time. Everybody that stepped up and played were really talented. We but we each, I played three songs. I think you played four. Um, I'm excited to go back. And now that we've kind of gotten the feel for the place, uh, I think we can really put together. It's definitely kind of more of a a cover song environment than than an original showcase sort of thing. Um, but you know, there's a place for that, and there's a a place for this. And so I think now that We've kind of identified what the crowd needs there, what what sets them off. We can go back next Friday with, or whenever we go back, with a really kind of popping cover set. Yeah, and you know, it's so important when you, when you show up to an open mic that has kind of a, a community built around it. you got to suss out the vibes. Like if, uh, for example, back in Santa Ana, California, the Cool Lab Project, um, kind of my home open mic, I would say, um, very hip-hop jazz original music focused uh so uh if maybe you go there for the first time and and you see that and it kind of inspires you to to kind of play to that crowd um but you know at the end of the day you know play play be true to yourself play your play your song but uh i think in this case it's more of a um there's just an open mic happening at the already packed hostel and restaurant and people want to be entertained and I want to entertain people. You know, that's kind of comes with being a, an artist and a musician. Um, there's a place for everything. And this is uh, a good opportunity to just, you know, make people happy. Yeah. And I think, like you said, it's important to be true to yourself and, and play the music that you want to play. But you're there to entertain. And the best way I think to entertain is to be able to coax the crowd into joining in on the music as well. Yeah. Giving them a way to sing, giving them familiar songs that are still jamming uh there's there's definitely a happy medium that we can find and so i'm really looking forward to going back um that gig or that open mic was kind of a little warm-up for us we performed at hajime sushi they were putting on this really cool event saturday night limited uh limited seating 20 people only seven course sushi meal i believe omakaze we think um yeah, it was fun, man. It was fun. We we got to perform with uh, the resident yoga master at the adjoining, not hostel, but... Yeah, 
boutique hotel uh, called Secret Garden that Hajime has joined to. Upali, their yoga master, joined us uh, for a couple jams on the flute and got a little chanting in there, some vocals. He's got a really cool voice, man. Um, I, I enjoyed playing with him. It's A flute does a lot. It adds a lot of yeah. atmospheric element to the jam. Yeah, very etheric. Uh, I would love to you know, maybe spend uh, an hour or two with Upali to maybe just kind of craft something that is less spur of the moment and a little more you know we build something around his his voice and his flute playing because it's really nice and it, it really set it off it was just a cool vibe overall and uh i'm looking forward to more gigs we got hit up for uh, a potential gig february 9th at cafe salon uh, which is just down the road from where we're staying in ahangama and that's a cool spot i played a gig last year there with joe from colored sound the the handpan extraordinaire such a cool guy that i also would love to have on the podcast this uh you know this season in sri lanka so i'm gonna manifest that real quick but um yeah just tons of opportunity out here to play music you know i've been telling some of my friends back in california to just you know take the plunge and come out it's cheap to live cheap to eat you can get paid to play and you know if anything you're just taking a really awesome vacation and earning a little bit back for for your money or, or for your music and uh meeting people from all over the world that can take your sound back to their friends and share it you know which is which is another thing that you really you really can't overlook the value of being in such a hub right now of of international tourism uh, all these people are here for uh, a limited time and then they go home, you know, and if they see or hear something that really leaves an impression on them, that's a way for you to get, you know, um, your stuff heard in another place. So that's just something cool to think about. Absolutely. I think when when you are traveling, when you are in a new place, you're even more open to taking in that new music and just, you know, you're taking in everything, the food, the people, the music as well. And so I, I would definitely encourage anyone to... So just come out and go for it, man. I, I I think we'll be able to pick up quite a few gigs. It it feels like I think we'll, you know, ideally we would be supplementing our living expenses with these gigs. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's totally possible from, from what I've seen so far. And it's funny, I, I'm, I'm kind of inspired to start DJing a little bit too. Yeah. That may be, we, we can talk about that in a, in a future podcast, maybe once that starts to formulate a little more, but it kind of feels like DJing and then eventually adding some acoustic uh, instrumentation in there as well might be might be the way to go, man. Yeah, and I've talked to a few friends about this. You know, there's like a large crew of DJs out here. My Sri Lankan friends have a, a collective called Tropical Wax. Actually, this is something that Aslam's involved in very heavily. He DJs as well. We'll talk about this more on the next episode of the podcast. But yeah, it's just I, I've talked to a lot of friends who have been traveling for gigs around Asia. And, you know, there's a lot more paying opportunities to play in a club. If you're playing uh, a DJ set, it's easier to transport. You just have to be updating your library. And so I think, you know, it'd be a fun thing to do. So who knows? Um we'll keep you posted but um you know i i did uh i was thinking a lot about you know you know saying supplementing the income being able to live off of the music out here 
And uh, when you look at the housing prices, you know, this, that kind of starts to make a little more sense. Oslem was, we're going to be living with Oslem this season, and uh, he was scouting out some potential locations. And we saw three places, and it's, re- it's a really interesting mix of price points and amenities, et cetera. Like the first option was, we, we both went and saw this, like, uh, it was a villa that, is no longer functioning as a villa, uh, but there's five bedrooms, five beds, nothing else. It's kind of barren. It's like a bomb shelter or something. And they wanted 50,000 rupees a month, which I, I think is about 175 total. 275, sorry, 275 total. You can divide that by however many you have living in the place. But then we also found our top tier option, which was three bedrooms. 130,000 rupees which converts to about 715 US dollars and you know the breakdown on that divided by three that would be about 238 bucks a month so quite a bit more expensive but it came with everything uh, AC furniture uh, utilities included laundry so worth considering I mean obviously 230 dollars is going to be way under the housing market and any U.S. area you're in. Um, and then our, our third option presented itself yesterday, actually, um, which you and Oslin went and checked out. But it was three bedrooms for 70,000 rupees, about 385 U.S. dollars. And it had a kitchen, full kitchen, laundry, right, living room, two bathrooms. Two bathrooms. Sounded pretty sweet. It's kind of a split, almost a duplex kind of setup, though. So we're right up against another family, but... It seems to me like that's going to be the way to go, man. I think we're going to end up taking that one uh, maybe on the first, right? Yeah, we're we're just kind of finalizing everything with the the owner, but um, yeah, it's, it's it should be chill, you know. The the three there's like a mother, a father, and a like a son that's maybe early twenties. Um, nice garden out there, and I think that. It'll be it'll be a sweet a sweet place to to chill out. We're not going to be throwing any parties or anything like that. Maybe maybe some small jam sessions, uh, some small private kind of yoga pranayama sessions in the garden maybe. But it's super close to Ahangama Town. It's very central between you know Unawatana, Kabbalana, all the way to to Welegama, maybe even Marisa. So um, I'm I'm happy with that. Uh, and, and for the price, you know, like 138. A person give or take and uh anything that we make off of the music is uh is subtracted from that and and just for reference i think anything from five around 5k is about 28 us that's a pretty common amount to be paid out and fed at some of these venues too so uh, i feel i feel great about it yeah when you break it down it i think one thing that we both came to when we decided to take this trip is that fiscally it just makes sense to go and travel right now rather than trying to to cut it in out on the west coast of the u.s right now i mean so when we start paying our rent on this place we're looking at you know about 140 a month for rent we each rented a scooter uh, for one month at 27,000 rupees, which is $148. So right there, we've got our transportation and our housing covered for just under 300 bucks. That's pretty hard to beat. And then you factor in, you know, you're getting a 
one dollar to two fifty dollar curry buffet and i'll tell you right now that can fill you up for the whole day man you can go and buy the freshest fruit in the world eat that for breakfast go out for a late lunch have a curry buffet i mean honestly if you waste your time buying anything other than these local dining options and you know fruit instead of candy you're making a mistake if you're if you're not going that route i believe yeah this is just such a, an incredible place to recharge get healthy you know this rice and curry that you're eating super fresh all these vegetables are just incredible like we were mentioning before not like indian uh not as dairy based not as fatty not as rich right um and you know in between these meals or before these meals what you eat breakfast you eat some fruit hop in the ocean for a swim or a surf you do some yoga um play some music then you go for lunch with some friends have a good conversation hang out, read, digest, and get back in the ocean. It's very active. We've been wearing ourselves out, you know, like every night by 10 or 11, I'm ready to hit the hay just because I'm so wiped out from from being active, you know. So there's an incredible lifestyle out here and very conducive to creativity when you have the security of a place to live, you're eating good, you're out in the sun, um, just all these things that you need to, to have that foundation to to pursue you know like your art or your passion whatever that is and that's why we're here on switch the flips to better align ourselves with our purpose and our passion and that's why we're on this trip so um (laughs) speaking of yoga and alignment and and perhaps misalignment uh when we were at the surfing wombats open mic the other night our buddy lucas had kind of tipped us off to this low-key ashtanga class that was happening it was originally just going to be him and this teacher he met she was going to show him the sequence because he had never done it before but that turned into oh well let's you know let's support this teacher with a with a donation-based class just from a few friends that are interested so siler and myself and lucas and a few other people including a really awesome guy named danny who we met there we all headed to the rooftop of uh, Jay Hostel right across from Surfing Wombats, 10 in the morning for what I, I, I'm i a novice uh, and as far as Ashtanga goes. And I mean, I know you've never done the sequence, but I think I came in with the least preparation and foundation and man, it kicked my ass. Yeah, I would I would say it's it was by far the most physically demanding yoga practice that that I participated in. Um Ashtanga, it's it's something I've been wanting to check out for a while, uh, just out of curiosity, really. Like I don't, I I never really thought it would be a practice that I would gravitate towards, but I wanted to experience it for educational purposes, if nothing else. Um, and Lucas was kind of in the same boat. So this this really sweet Dutch chick, uh, Rami, um, really really great yoga teacher too. She was just kind of putting doing this workshop for us and and sharing her ashtanga practice with us and dude it, it started out great i uh you know i i was definitely being pushed to new heights i mean you start out uh going through a series of sun salutation a they take you through a few rounds of sun salutation b and then you hit this ashtanga primary series where you're going into a different asana switching sides Completing the asana on that side, and then you'll go through a vinyasa, which would be 
going down to a chaturanga push-up, coming up into up dog, pushing back into downward facing dog, and stepping forward into the next position. And that was all cool. Like I, I was, you know, the primary series. I, I had, I had done most of the asanas before. Um, the the vinyasas in between the asana definitely take it up a level. It's it's supposed to be a detoxing experience, and it definitely felt like it. Everybody was totally drenched in sweat. Um, and then we got to the end of the series. And there was this other um, uh, girl who was participating in the class who was an experienced Ashtanga yogi as well. And so she and Rami were both uh, assisting the class. And I'm a fan of hand-on assistance. I I think it helps you kind of see how far you can actually go when maybe the, the mind is blocking you a little bit. You, you've never pushed that far before and... And some of their assistants really, really kind of helped me break through. And I was doing some crazy stuff, man. I had I had my feet behind my head at one point. Um, I was going into all these inversions in, in Padmasana and Lotus. And I was feeling very confident and very limber. And ultimately, uh, that was kind of my downfall. I don't know if it was because we had been in this you know, this really stressful environment and I was just really tired um, or if I had gotten kind of confused between the switching left and right. Um, but I can only go into, into Padmasana, the lotus pose, one way. My, my right leg has to be on bottom and my left leg comes across the top. And at the end of this class, I just, I got kind of confused. I had my, my left leg on the bottom, my right knee across it. And I was in that mindset of of pushing myself, which is something that in my eight years of yoga, I've never, never felt the need to do, really. It's been a very natural and, and patient just kind of development. And I kind of jammed myself a little bit, dude, and, and I, I, I pushed my knees up to kind of get deeper into Lotus, and I had the most sickening pop happen in my, in my left knee, man. No. Uh, yeah, you know my pain. And I, it was, I knew something was wrong. It wasn't totally debilitating at first, but I knew something was wrong. And then come to research later on that the popping sound when you're in Lotus is a pretty good indicator of a torn meniscus. Man, and that, that just on so many levels just creeps me out. Uh, I, have had a torn meniscus in my left knee as well as an ACL tear in that knee from soccer when I was 18. Not fun. I also tore my ACL in my right knee playing soccer when I was about 25. Even less fun. It was a complete tear. Uh, so I had that whole hamstring replace the ACL surgery in 10 months of recovery. Um, knee injuries are no joke. They're they're really... They're really um, they suck. And I I heard that pop because I was practicing right next to you. And I think that you said the guy on the other side of you who was just kind of there meditating and observing the class, he looked over at you like, oh, he shit. For a reaction. He was waiting for my reaction. I was like, I, I'm not going to give it to him. I'm not going <laughs> to. It wasn't even painful. It was just like something that should not have happened just happened. Well, yeah, man. I re- I remember vividly when I was 18 and I tore my ACL in a drill. I was coaching my high school's like 
middle school. We were like a feeder program for soccer. So we were like doing a soccer camp for these middle school kids so that they would come to our high school. Anyway, I was drilling with this one little kid. And anyways, however it happened, I landed and twisted and I heard the pop and I went down and it didn't hurt. And I was I was moving my knee kind of you know like a hinge and I was like okay well it doesn't hurt so I was I was up and I was I played a, a scrimmage after that um and for weeks after that point I didn't even think too much about it um until finally I, it hurt so it, it ended up hurting again I kept doing stuff on it and I think I made it worse and I went to the to get an MRI and they're like oh well now you need surgery so I I'm trying to be optimistic here um because it wasn't like an impact thing, but I don't know. Maybe you can speak a little bit to the to the, the the anatomy of what may have happened, but I don't know. I don't really know too much about it. Well, I mean, anatomically, essentially what happened is the meniscus is a piece of cartilage that is covering your knee and basically lubricating the knee. And when I was... You know, it, it requires a pretty intense amount of rotation to get into into Lotus. It's like 115 degrees of rotation, and when your knee is under that much pressure, your tibia coming up from the shin and the femur coming down from the thigh converge on the meniscus. And if you push it too far, it's almost like a pair of pliers are coming down on that tendon, and then ah. pow, pow, pow. It'll snap on you. Um, and that's what happened. I mean, I, I forced it. I jammed it. I shouldn't have done it. Um, you know, it, it feels that that was two days ago now. Yesterday, my leg was very stiff. And I was, you know, I'm going to lie. I was a little upset in the morning um, because I was very much looking forward to starting to surf this week. That was kind of the plan. And I was also hoping to begin to network a little bit and and hopefully find some openings to teach yoga and uh so that was it was a little bit of a bummer i had like 30 minutes of just kind of being down but you know i i rest ice compressed and elevated yesterday and then the fifth element prana sent some prana towards it yeah rice pea baby it feels better today i feel like i feel like i have a greater range of motion the stiffness is has been has reduced um yeah, you saw me bring my knee kind of laterally onto the bed a minute ago. Um, so I'm I'm optimistic. You know, I'm going to take it easy the rest of this week. If it still feels wonky next week, uh, I'll put that travel insurance to the to the test and go get it checked out maybe. But, I mean, I, I'm just hoping that that I can still be able to get some surfing in while I'm here. That's, that's really one of the main things I was looking forward to. So we'll see, man. I've, I've got – I'm feeling good about it. I mean, if nothing else, this injury just gives me a place of deeper experience to teach from. And now I can say that you can seriously hurt yourself. I've never been injured doing yoga in eight years of practicing. And like I said, the one time I really forced myself into it, I, you know, I hurt myself. Being able to teach from that and, and even being able to teach from a place of recovery now to strengthen this meniscus and strengthen my knee, it's only beneficial in the end. And, uh, you know, while I'm recovering, 
can go a little deeper into the more subtle elements of the practice, can work on pranayama, meditation, can do some writing and, and making music. So it's definitely not a mood killer. It's it's unfortunate, but you know, we're we're still in Sri Lanka, man. And we're still uh we're still doing it. I can I can get around. Would I practice Ashtanga again? I would. It would not be my, my primary practice, but almost just as a physical exercise, I think it's really great. And um, I would love to dive into it a little more on my own. When you're in a class and you're following an instructor's breath rhythm, uh, it's hard to really get the full benefits of the practice, I think. Uh, so I would I would definitely like to explore it more on my own and with a, a, a bit more degree of caution. But yeah, I think there's definitely benefits to it for me personally not really my style nothing beautiful has ever come to me through these flow based classes it's always been more of more from a place of stillness holding asana but there's definitely benefit here and and you know like i said i'll definitely explore it in the future yeah well i mean it was what two days ago i'm still sore my hamstrings in particular are so sore i i'm i'm really interested in 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 you know doing some more ashtanga I have no illusions or or you know misgivings about my abilities, so I'm definitely gonna take all the modifications I need. Uh, and you know, with my knees, I, I don't have an interest in going into Lotus ever. But um, yeah, be careful out there, guys. Um, you may not think about yoga being a, an injury-prone practice, but it is possible, um, as we know. But yeah, this is uh this has been. This has been a good uh, sit down, and I, I think we're we're really going to be bringing a lot more content to you guys this month. Now that we're settling in a place, and uh, we have more of a, a foundation and a base here in Sri Lanka. And on the next episode of the podcast, we'll be talking with our friend and roommate Aslam Anver, a Sri Lankan native who's really right in the wave of investment and tourism here in the South Coast. He's a part of a collective called Tropical Wax which is a celebration of vinyl culture, underground music, art, and surfing on the island. He's a DJ, surfer, manager at Hajime Sushi, just out here doing his own thing. So until then, give us a follow on Instagram at switchtheflip with two Ps. You can also find us online at switchtheflip.today, where you can check out our blog. A ton of good stuff there, way more in the oven, so stay tuned. And we're so excited for you to take this journey with us. This podcast is meant to be a reminder that our lives belong to us. We want to share these stories with you to inspire you to follow your heart, to live your passions, and ultimately to switch the flip. We'll see you soon.